CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast, a deeper dive into the great personalities we know and love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. Welcome to MojoOnSports.com. It's the Moj, Bob Marjanovic. The bio featuring one of the outstanding young talents in the National Hockey League, New Jersey Devils defenseman Damon Severson. But before we get to Damon, got to tell you about our friends at OK Tiring Langley. OK Tiring Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tiring Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Time now for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj Marjanovic. Welcome to episode 16, MojonSports.com, the bio. Today we feature an outstanding young defenseman in the National Hockey League with the New Jersey Devils, Damon Severson. Damon, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Nice to have you on board and to find out a little bit more about your story. So let's start off. Born in Brandon, but you basically grew up in Melville, Saskatchewan, correct? Yeah, exactly. Bang on. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Melville and what that was like. Small town, not really much going on. My dad's school teacher and my mom was mostly just a stay-at-home mom for the most part until we got a little bit older. I got two younger sisters that are both very active sports-wise as well. So we spent a lot of time driving around city to city place to place, whether it was winter with hockey, summer baseball, and, you know, whatever else we could get our hands on with, again, being a small town, we didn't really have much other than trying to get outside and playing as many sports as we could. I was fortunate enough to have my dad coach me in a lot of stuff, and my mom was always making sure we were fed and watered, and we were off to the next place, so it's very lucky. My dad went to school in Brandon at Brandon University to become a teacher, and then the dad got a teaching job in Melville. He actually had a few, I think, job offers throughout different parts of Saskatchewan, and he just thought that Melville would be the spot that they wanted to land. They've been there ever since in the same house that I grew up in. Well, we're going to talk about Big Doug in a while, because we'll talk about the fact that he's the defending long drive champion at my tournament, but we'll save that for a bit. But your dad also loves sports. He coached a lot of sports. It sounds like because of that, you were exposed to a lot of sports as a kid. Yep, bang on there. A lot of sports. He's still teaching. He's still coaching every little thing they ask him to. I think right now he's got badminton on the go back at the high school in Melville. So just another one of those things, just trying to keep busy, doing anything you can to help the kids out at the school and any sports that kind of come about, you just try to get involved in. And that was our mindset growing up is just dabbling in a little bit of everything and enjoying it. And we stuck to what we liked and we didn't like something as much, which is pretty rare we didn't. But we just pushed it to the side but don't want to pump his tires too much, but he was definitely involved quite a bit. And, and it definitely had me exposed to a lot of sports and just made me fall in love with everything and became a sports junkie myself. I heard you're quite a baseball player. Yeah, I got a few teammates this year that are giving me a hard time because we started talking baseball and this and that. And they're like, oh, I heard you're here. You're not a good baseball player and stuff. And so they're trying to get me rattled up. But that was my summer job back when I was 15 and 16 years old before I went to Kelowna to play junior and after my first year in Kelowna of junior my summer job was to work at the local batting cages so when it wasn't too busy I would mostly just sit in there and hit balls until my hands had blisters all over them that was kind of why I became a good hitter and then just naturally just playing the game so much just comes to you 
So more Bo Bichette, I'm thinking, rather than Vladdy Guerrero? Yeah, actually, that's a good comparison. I was shortstop, <laughs> and Vladdy, Vladdy hits the bay, hits him long, and I was, I'm more of a double hitter, so just try to keep it in play. But uh, yeah, those were back in the good old days. I had a lot of fun playing baseball, but I'm actually a big fan of Boba Shet myself. I'd like to, I'd like to catch him play live before he's done. Did you ever have to make a decision between baseball and hockey, or was it hockey the whole way? I did actually. Yeah, I had a coach in midget baseball that was pretty high on me, the way I played the game and stuff, and he would always tell me, "Oh." I, you sure you don't, you don't want to play baseball? You want to go hockey? And I love the game of baseball, but just being from Canada, you know, it's in your blood, just picking hockey over baseball. And as much as I love the game of baseball, and I still get to as many games around here as I can with the Yankees and the Mets kind of being close by in this area. I do love the game, and I did want to continue to play baseball, but I just wanted to continue to play hockey more. And that was just the Canadian kid's dream. So I don't want to say it was an easy decision, but it was fairly simple to go with the hockey route. Speaking of baseball, you talked about going to Yankee games or even Met games in New York. They're close. Do you like visiting other ballparks in the summer? Do you go to Wrigley Field or Fenway? Or if you're in town, do you try to catch a game if it's available? Yeah, definitely do. And we try to get to as many events as possible. And our owners own the 76ers basketball team just down the road in Philadelphia as well. So they're bugging us all the time to, to get down there. It's a little bit awkward for us just being in enemy territory with the Flyers playing out of that rink as well. But yeah, I try to get to as many Yankees games probably as the team here that has a connection. They, we have a couple good contacts there, and they always are hooking us up. So I try to get us out as much as possible for those games. Who did you idolize growing up? Either hockey or baseball or both? Hockey, I would go probably Nick Lidstrom would be my number one guy. My, my grandpa was a big Detroit Red Wings fan, and so anytime we'd spend any time at my grandparents' house, he'd always have the Wings games on. And people like to eat dinner a little bit earlier so the wings games would be on and that was back when they were playing in the west western conference quite a bit and so it was easier for us but yeah he was a big red wings fan growing up and so i watched lidstrom quite a bit and then as i grew up a little bit and just getting drafted to Kelowna and going through that system i became a big fan of shea weber's as well i thought he was a heck of a player and going through the same system that i was going through made it a little bit easier to like him and understand his game a little bit so i'd say those two guys when did you realize you could do something with hockey I always had the dream of playing in the NHL, of course, but that's like every kid, everyone, you know, dreams of playing in the NHL. But then I started realizing that, okay, I was moving up the ranks and you go from a small town with your level of players and you keep going, you keep going, you get, get called for this event or that event, or you're going to try out for this team, you're making the team. And I was always a confident player and I always believed in myself that I wanted to be the best. But I think I really believed that I could make the NHL. When I was in junior, I just continually got better year after year and I think if you go back and look at my stats and just look at the way I played throughout my junior career, I just progressively got better, ended up getting drafted to a team that had just lost in the Stanley Cup final in 2012 to LA. So there's a good opportunity for me. And I came into camp and again, I just tried to use that confidence to play the best I could and knowing that anything could happen. And I think I, I just realized at that age that I could do something playing professional hockey. It was just a matter of what I could do with it and tried to use the confidence to stick with the team and ended up having a real good training camp in New Jersey my my rookie year and sticking with the team had a good start to the season and then just stuck. And then you just try to solidify yourself as a regular in the NHL. Yeah, it's an amazing story too, considering just the fact that what you're 27 and this is, I think your eighth year in the league, but I'm going to backtrack it a bit. You talk to a lot of athletes and they always talk about that pivotal moment. I remember Joe Sackick one time being interviewed and he was talking to these kids and they said, did you ever think of quitting hockey? So when I was little, he said, my dad came up to me and said, it's either going to be hockey or soccer. 
He looked outside the window, it was raining, and he looked at his dad, he goes, do you want to run around in the rain? Cam Neely told us a story one time where he was first year midget, he was 15, and he was the only 15-year-old on the team, and he felt ostracized. He was going to games, his dad was driving him, all the other guys had their own cars because they were all 16 and had their licenses, and he was going to quit, and his dad said, no, he says, you're, you took somebody's spot. If you're going to quit, you're going to quit at the end of the year. Was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, I've had enough, I'm not playing any more hockey, or is it always smooth sailing that way? I don't think anything ever goes smooth sailing your whole life, maybe unless you're Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or these guys that are going mm -hmm. first overall. And But I can never remember a time where I wanted to quit hockey. It, it, just the passion I have for hockey, baseball. Like it, I'm the type of person that likes to prove people wrong. If someone doubts me or someone says, oh, you can't do that, or small town kid that you're never going to make the NHL. You're good now when you're 10, 12 years old, but that's great. You're going to be working on the CN railroad for the rest of your life after you're done kind of thing. And I use that stuff as motivation where people might not say the most positive things about you, but I always just like to prove people wrong. And then you just, you look back at that stuff or you look back at those conversations and what people say about you and you're like, well, I ended up doing it. So I think there's still a lot of things I'd like to accomplish in my, whether it's hockey career or life, but overall, there was never any doubt in my mind that I, I was never going to quit the game of hockey. I loved it too much. And just for that matter, if someone tells me I can't play a sport, whether it's picking up a racket sport or whatever it is, I always like to accept that challenge. And I may not be the best at that sport, but I sure as heck give it a shot. Well, you go to Kelowna. Side story here that I dug up doing a little due diligence. You'd never been on a plane before you flew to Kelowna for training camp? That's correct, actually. Yeah, that's some good that's some work right there for you guys there. I think I would have just turned 15 years old for rookie camp in Kelowna because it would have been in August of 2009. So yeah, I would have just turned 15 and I'd never been on an airplane before. I'd only driven to Manitoba and Alberta for whether it was hockey tournaments or whatever it was, visiting family. I'd never been across either of those borders, being from Saskatchewan. And so the first time I'd ever been on an airplane, my dad and I flew out to Kelowna. And I ended up actually driving home because one of my dad's buddies found a vehicle in Kelowna that he wanted to purchase. And we ended up driving it back for him. But that was my very first ever time flying an airplane. And it was, it was like just a kid in a candy store. Like it was the coolest thing ever. I'm going out to a WHL training camp and they're giving me a free t-shirt back then it was the coolest. So got stuff like that and just really enjoyed the whole experience and from what I was told and what I felt, I had a really good training camp. And as a ninth round pick going into Kelowna, they're not really expecting much other than hoping that maybe they're going to get something. But I guess that's the Rockets history is drafting these late players and these players in the late rounds and they end up blossoming into real good players for them. Well, you know, you play in New Jersey, so you only go on a plane like three times a year anyway now. So it's not... <laughs> okay, I'll give you a little bit more than that. But the travel isn't that bad in New Jersey with the Devils playing all those teams on the uh, the seaboard. Hey, um, one of the things that I dug up too was the fact that your second year in Kelowna, you were voted most improved defenseman. That tells me a lot about wanting to improve. And if you look at your career path, it's always about getting better. To me, that shows a lot of work ethic in the offseason and wanting to make yourself better. Where does that work ethic come from? Yeah, I think just the mentality of the proving people wrong, being from a small town, growing up, I go into Hockey Canada events or baseball events, whatever it may be, any sport, you see these kids from the bigger cities and they're just more privileged. They have more access to the better facilities, better training, better coaches, better everything. And we didn't have that. I didn't grow up with money. I didn't grow up with privilege and I had to work for everything I got. So I think just trying to prove people wrong, trying to be like, well, tell me I can't do something. Well, I'm going to show you that I can always trying to improve, always trying to get better. I'm one of those people that believes in that saying, if you don't think you're always going to can get better every day that you're playing a sport or doing something in life, then it's probably time to hang them up or retire. 
And uh, I still feel like I've got a lot more to learn and a long way to go to get better in my game in the NHL. That's kind of one of those things where hopefully it takes me there, but uh, only time will tell. More with Damon Severson after these messages. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. Every athlete is looking for a competitive edge, and you can find one at stokodesign.com. The K1 Embrace system wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression tape. The cabling is positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most. You can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is the future of knee support. Stokodesign.com. Damon, we're talking about Kelowna and we're talking about Shea Weber and, you know, the influence he had on you. What is it about Kelowna and what Bruce Hamilton does there with making young defensemen and NHLers? Because just off the top of my head, I'm thinking Weber, Duncan Keith, Alex Adler, Scotty Hannon, Josh Georges, Tyson Berry, Tyler Myers, Luke Shen, yourself. There's others as well that I'm missing because that list is probably like almost two dozen deep. Does he kind of put you guys in some sort of box or something, flip a switch and you walk out and you're an NHL prospect? Well, why is it that Kelowna has all these great defensemen coming out of there? It starts with one of those one or two who set that standard and then everybody that comes there, including myself, because I was that third, fourth, fifth wave of person and player that came to Kelowna and I see all these greats before me. And I say to myself, I want to be one of those guys when I grow up. And that's really what you do in juniors. You grow up, you find out the person, the player you're going to be. And the coaching staff is always great. Bruce breeds a winning culture. If you're a losing team, that's, they always say like, you know, except to be a losing team. Well, someone has to be a losing team every year, but that's not the Colorado Rockets. They are not accepting losing no matter who it is, no matter what you are. They're going to make changes. They're going to do anything they can to make sure they don't lose hockey games. And I was fortunate enough to be in some real good teams, especially my last two years there. Out of a 72-game season, I think we won 52 my 18-year-old year and like 57 my 19-year-old year out of 72 games, which is incredible. But I think we had a record of home wins or something like that. And Unfortunately, we didn't make it past the third round of the playoffs. We always got matched up against Portland that had real strong teams as well. And they ended up taking us out. I think we had some real good series with them, but a lot of great memories and just a lot of winning culture feeling that just the vibe there was, we're going to win. And it's been an unfortunate stretch here in New Jersey. Uh, I'm only made the playoffs once in my eight years here, but uh, that's just the difference of, you got to have that winning culture, the winning mentality that's just what it was there in Kelowna it went a long way for me and I'll never forget those years of just knowing at the start of every season you're going to be in the playoffs and you're going to be in the dance at the end of the year October 9th 2014 you make your NHL debut at the Wells Fargo Center against the Philadelphia Flyers what do you remember from that night I actually got a good little story for you there that's my first ever game so from the start of training camp to the end of training camp you just go about your business you're there and kind of the old saying no news is good news I never saw or really heard from Lou Lamorello during the whole training camp. I went through the training camp, played real well, had solid, had a solid camp, but they had a track record of sending down a 20-year-old player just coming out of junior and didn't keep guys that were young, and they felt like they needed some seasoning. But I just had the mindset I wasn't going to go down and understood if I was going to because, again, it was my first year. But had a good camp. I'm going to the hotel every day, getting a ride. I didn't have a car. I was just finding my way. And as training camp goes by, I'm not hearing anything. Cuts are starting to be made. Guys are going down to the minors. Guys are getting sent back to junior. I'm still on the team, showing up for practice every day, getting the tech schedule for the NHL group. And for day it was that the rosters had to be set in the NHL 
I didn't hear a thing. And I was just waiting here. I was sitting around the hotel for three hours, me and my roommate. And he had made the team. He already knew he was on the team from the year before, but he was still staying at the hotel because he was a young guy as well. But uh, yeah, I hadn't heard anything, hadn't heard anything. And he asked me the odd time, like, yeah, you heard anything yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't heard anything. And the three o'clock deadline went by and it was just one of those things where you're waiting for the rosters to be put out and some teams are ahead of others and New Jersey hadn't released theirs yet. And so I don't know if maybe they were waiting or they hadn't made the decision yet, or there was conversations being had, but the roster finally came out. My name was on it. So that's how I found out that I was on the team. I never received a call or a text from anybody in the organization. I saw on, but it was probably four o'clock or three 30 by the time I saw the actual roster released. And from then on, you just go about your business. I showed up the next day to practice. We then the next day to practice. And then we take the bus down to Philadelphia. We're in Philly. Still, no one's telling me anything. I'm just going about this as my normal hockey life, like I always have known. And I'm warming up in the hallway before the game, about half hour before warmups. And Lou Lamorello comes walking around the corner and he finds me and he goes, you're here for a reason. Show us. And that was really all he had to say. And I said, I appreciate that, Lou. I'll show you guys what I got. And from then on, again, I had a real good start. And that was all the words that Lou needed to say to me to just, you know, tell me that he was impressed with what I brought so far. The Devils reward you prior to the 2017-18 season with a six-year, $25.2 million contract, showing a lot of faith in you. Yet you start off that season slow. And in fact, I believe you were a healthy scratch for a couple of games. What was that like learning how to deal with that pressure and learning how to deal with those expectations? Yeah, there's like you said before, it's not always going to be great in life and in hockey. And there was a few bumps along the way for sure. And I, I had high expectations coming off a solid season in my third year, finishing the entry-level contract, signing an extension. I was a young guy, 20, I think I was just turned 23 there going into that season. And so it was a lot of expectations on me and I underperformed to start the season. And yeah, I was in the dog coast a little bit. And, and unfortunately, uh, I don't want to say guys jumped ahead of me. I just put myself back and had to work my way back and get out of that and ended up heating up again and finding my way along that season. And yeah, there was a few ups and downs for sure, but a few disagreements with, I think the people who were in charge and they saw things a little bit differently than me as things go when you have a boss, but overall I ended up working my way out of it, had having an okay season that year and then ended up bouncing back the following year and progressively have gotten better since then. So it's never going to be easy, but you know, yeah, you definitely learn and you want to solidify yourself and be a regular in the NHL. And not only that, just be a difference maker. And that was one thing that they expected of me. And I have those high expectations for myself too. And I'd be the first one to tell you that I was underperforming. So sometimes they do that to send a little message to you and just try to get you going again. And fortunately enough for me, I ended up getting going again and improving my worth. More with Damon Severson after this. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info. Damon, you mentioned it earlier, you're 27, eighth year in the league, you've played four playoff games. You came from that culture in Kelowna, as you mentioned, where you won, what, 110 regular season games or 109 over the last two years of junior, and you were just expected to win. And we've all been on those teams where no matter what happens, you think you're going to win. You're going to find a way to win. We're winning. We're going to find a way. You had that in Cologne and conversely on the other side, when things go sideways, it's like something bad happens and you're like, oh, here we go again. How frustrating has it been at points in New Jersey not to get where you were in Cologne? I'm not talking winning 
six Stanley Cups in a row, but just to be a successful organization that can contend year in and year out. Yeah, frustrating. It's been an understatement at times. And during a few of these years, it's been real tough when, you know, you're playing meaningless games, you're calling players up, seeing what they have from minors, maybe for the future. And we're at the point now where it's not about the future anymore. It's not about getting that high first round pick. We got Keishier, we got Hughes, we got all these guys who are our generational players now. And now we have to be able to, as a team, surround these guys and be able to build this team and into what we expect it to be. And You've seen it over and over again, and history shows that teams are able to do that. History shows that it's going to work, but we just have to believe in it, and we have to trust in our management and our staff that we're going to be able to do it. It's one of those years where it's unfortunate where we took some steps in the right direction, especially certain players. We still have a long way to go, but and health is a big thing that goes along with that too. If we can get some healthy goaltenders, some guys that are going to stay healthy for the full year, we we definitely want to turn that corner this upcoming season next year and be able to say we're going to be a playoff team or at least play meaningful games down the stretch. One of the things with not making the playoffs, it's allowed you to represent Canada at the World Hockey Championships. Uh, you had quite the experience, I believe, in 2019, scored a crazy goal to keep Canada alive and keep them moving into the tournament. I believe you lost to Finland that year in the gold medal game. But is that one of your highlights when you look at your hockey career? Obviously, what you did in Kelowna as well, but representing Canada... And yeah, maybe not getting a gold medal, but clearly a silver medal, something to be proud of as well. It is for sure. Yeah, that was, that was that goal in itself was crazy. It was probably, if not the biggest goal in my career, one of the top three for sure. And just to have it come down to the wire like that against a team like Switzerland, who was throwing everything they had at us. And I was playing against our captain now, Nico Heeshear was on the Swiss team. And he still to this day reminds me about that. He's a... Hey, you make sure you don't go to the world championships this year because we need to beat Tans. And he's always giving me a hard time about that. But it's definitely one of those things that anytime you can represent your country, if it works out, especially in a tournament like that, you go. And I was fortunate enough to just be on the ice and puck bounced to me at the right time and ended up taking a good shot and ended up going in. So, so that's a great memory for sure. And unfortunately, we lost in the gold medal game to Finland, who played a heck of a tournament. And looking back at my kind of representing Canada. I got a bronze medal at the under 18s and I got a silver medal a couple of years ago at the world championships. So still missing that gold. We touched on this early. Your dad, Doug, won the long drive at the last mode shootout. As a result, he has an exemption. Has he asked you to play in his group in this year's tournament? He hasn't yet. No, because I, uh, <laughs> I just got the, I just got the official invite from you guys only a week or two ago there. So I'm going to wait to maybe hold off and wait to mention it to him and see if he wants to defend his title. Um, I know Cody Franson gave him a run for his money, but uh, I don't know if he, he swung out of his shoes when he saw the long drive that was on that hole that, that day. Fortunately enough, hopefully he's able to make it back out, but that was, that was a heck of a time, and I always have a great time with the mode shootout. That's, that's always one of my favorite days of the summer. Well, I'll tell you what, it's awesome having you there and awesome having your dad there as well. Thanks so much for doing this. We appreciate it. Continued success with your career and all the best, and we'll be seeing you soon, my friend. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Moch. The Moj on Sports Podcast. And for more episodes, check out MojonSports.com. The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. 
WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S., experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com.